Welcome to the Drum History Podcast. I'm your host, Bart Vanderzee, and today I'm joined by John Palmer, who is the sales strategist from Hoshino USA. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Bart. Good to be here. Yeah, man, we've been working on this one for a while, um, and it's it's just one of those things where sometimes they, uh, the stars don't align with, with scheduling, but, um, but we're here now, and I have had many people reach out and say, hey, you should do a Tama episode, and I go, we're working on it. We're, we're, uh, <laughs> it's coming together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I appreciate, uh, you guys sent me some, some books here, which are awesome, which is the history of Tama, the story behind the strongest name in drums, um, which I just blew right through cause it was so cool. And it's kind of a little, you know, handy pocket size, um, book. So, um, yeah. How long have you worked at Tama? So Hoshino, I should say. Yeah. So, um, exactly. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into Tama and Hoshino and the relationship, certainly, um, Bart and. And, you know, I, I've been here, I'm in my sixth year, so I started late cool. uh, 2015 um, and have been in the industry for, for many years. So I uh, have a, you know, lifetime drummer, um, you know, big, big fan of drums and drumming, just like you in your community. And, um, yeah. you know, really fortunate to, you know, to work uh, for this brand and, and have had a, a pretty, you know, long career in the industry. So it's just, it's great. The people are great. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of living the dream. So things are good. Yeah. Yeah. Tama, um, I know I've said this on the show before and it's probably confusing cause I'll say this was my first, this drum set. And this was like, I started off with a big old Ludwig set, but then when I actually, you know, I worked at a butcher when I was really young, like a grocery store butcher mm. for, for a few years and I saved up and I bought a brand new, um, Thomas star classic kit, which I would deem that my first real drum set when I was like 12 or something. And, um, that was just the most beautiful. I had it forever. I actually ended up selling it when I was like, I mean, I was probably 25 or something. Um, but beautiful drums, there's something, the star classic line in general, obviously all of the lines are just great, but, um, they are so well-respected, so innovative. I think that's something we'll obviously talk about is just the innovation, which before I read the book, um, I didn't really realize how many things Tama invented. Mm. Um, it's just amazing. Such a cool company. Yeah, it, it, exactly. I think that is the essence of what the Tama brand has become and, and, you know, was when it was, you know, finding its way, um, you know, is the innovation. And I always look at the, the product, you know, say the product is the star, you know, for Tama yeah. and they just, the, the, when I say they, the R and D team, you know, the, the design team the market research team, um, you know, which is centered in, in Japan, they do their, their students and do an incredible exacting job of, of, you know, finding out what's happening at a very detailed level in the market and then working to improve any way possible. And it, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive to, to watch the work uh, on the R and D side happen. Cause I think it fuels the, the brand. It's exactly what it is. It's too, I think this should be said, it's one of those brands where kind of like Peisty or some of these others where there is, you hear people say the name differently, oh, Tama, right. Tama, which is just sort of a thing. But obviously you're saying Tama. That's kind of what I, um, I think I started saying Tama as a kid. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of realized like, I think it's Tama and just sort of, um, so, but we get to hear straight from you. It's, it's Tama, correct? So, so that was my very first question on my very first day. Uh, you know, formally, and even, you know, I, I started, and I'm in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, it's where I work, it's where, where the, the Hoshino, um, you know, distribution center is and offices for the USA. So I, I started my first day and I said, okay, let's just get this question out of the way. How do you pronounce the name? And I was told by, uh, by, by Charlie Hayashi, Tama. And, you, you know, go. if you, if you know a little bit about Japanese, it, it's, you know, you know that, you know, you can say sayonara, you can say Tama. I mean, those things roll off the tongue, um, you know, Ichiro. And so they, they're not going to say Tama in Japan. And yeah. so when they say Tama, I say Tama. <laughs> so yeah. I say Tama, <laughs> yeah. but I'm cool. However, it's pronounced. I meet a lot of people that say Tama, Tamer, Tamer, you know, all kinds <laughs> yeah. of great pronunciations that are Americanized and, and fine with me, you know? Um, and I think yeah. it is like Peisty and Meinl, you know, and, and, 
you know, Zildjian and, and there's so many oh, yeah. colorful brand names in the industry. So we're just one of them. Yeah, that's so true. Tama, it's that that very American. It is. I mean, I'm I'm in the Midwest where you know everything's kind of that Tama. It's that got that that feel to it. Um, yeah, but, but, yeah. It's a little drawl happening, you know. And, and exactly, and that's cool. So no worries if you say Tama, Tama, Termer, whatever you say, it's yeah. all good. So you know. <laughs> um, so I, I think Bart, can I jump in because we're we're kind of you know hitting the umbrella topics of of the the brand, and so. Can I can I hit into the history a little bit and kind of yes, give an please, overview? Please do because there's there's a great story about why we call our drums Tama, and um, so here's the story. So you know, and and what is Hoshino? You know, and and people are like, well, what is that? So here's the deal. Um, so Hoshino was established by in 1908 in Japan, family-owned business by a, na- a man named Mr. Yoshitara Hoshino. Okay, and he had a bookstore in Nagoya, Japan, and he sold music books to schools back in 1908. So he, he's in kind of the music you know, education business. And, and then he added musical instruments um, to, to his business. So that's how he got into the musical instrument business way back in 1908. Um, his wife was named Tama Hoshino. So there's the brand name and yeah. it's, it's pretty cool story. So Tama Hoshino and she was involved in the business as well. So, you know, that's a pretty cool story. And, and a couple other cool things is so for Hoshino, Hoshi, that part of the name means star and no means field. So you put it together, Hoshi star and no and field, you have star field. And then we are Hoshino Gaki. And Gaki means musical instruments. So basically, um, Hoshino Gaki means star field of musical instruments. And then the wow. name Tama has a name, it, it has a meaning as well, and it means plenty fullness. So there it is, star field. And so what a cool thing is, is we have this really natural kind of organic naming for the brand and for, obviously, you've mentioned it already, Star Classic and, you know, Tama. You know, you don't have to even be a Tama fan to know that Tama does everything star, right? Star cast, yeah. star, you know. Swing uh, star, yeah. Everything star. So that's why we do it. It's really super, you know, natural naming convention that just follows our legacy. So that's that's hmm. a, an important part of the history um, that it lets people know that, you know, we're, we're just kind of true to our roots, really. Yeah, man, that's so... Um beautifully Japanese uh, just to have that that I didn't know that that really it's cool to think that the the Hoshino s- star field I mean it really kind of uh, makes it all it it all makes sense then yeah it's just yeah a, it really cool pulls it together to doesn't it Bart yeah yeah okay so 1908 unbelievable I mean this is a hundred and thirteen year old company right? I and mean, that's um, unbelievable right right so yeah we have quite a legacy um, and, 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 and we do also, we do Ibanez guitars. So I think probably some of your, you know, um, listeners know that, but we, we own the Ibanez guitar brand and the Tama drum brand. Um, but there seems to be a real close connection with Hoshino and the Tama brand because it, it is, you know, it's, it's the founder's wife's name, right? So there's a huge family legacy and we're still family owned by people named Hoshino. You know, those are the brand holders. So the legacy of the company is four generations long and continues to evolve under the Hoshino direction. Hmm. Wow. So cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So then we start off selling, you know, musical books and everything. Yeah. How long did that go before he got into, you know, Other producing musical instruments in yeah. the 30s. I think um, this, this, the kind of the story goes that I that I know uh, Segovia comes over and, and plays some classical music in the 30s, and it, the the classical guitar craze in Japan uh, went went pretty fervent. So there's interest in people like, can I get a guitar? So there was a guitar brand, Spanish guitar brand. Um, called Ibanez. No, not Ibanez in Spain. It's called Ibanez. So, you know, that's the guitar brand in Spain, Ibanez. And uh, I'm not sure the details, but we ended up acquiring 
the Ibanez brand and, and everybody calls it Ibanez. So that was in, I think, the 30s, 40s. So we, yes. we get into musical instruments then. Uh, and then post-World War II, you know, this is really, it's, it's quite, quite a history, a company history and, and how it mirrors world history. Obviously, World War II uh, is, is a major, you know, nothing's happening. It's, it's, you know, as far as production of musical instruments. Um, and so it's the evolution of the company after World War II. And, and just as it is the evolution of Japan. And it really mirrors, I think, the manufacturing and, and you know, the evolution of the country post-World War II. And, and Hoshino is very tied, very much a, a, a uh, you know, a, I don't know, corporate sort of, not even corporate, that's a strong word, but just a developing manufacturer um, that took steps like many other manufacturers did afterward. Hmm. It's so interesting with World War II how it affected so many different industries. Obviously, the drum industry is maybe in the big picture kind of a, you know, a small little thing, but it definitely rocked the world of drums and everything kind of changed after that. Um, right. Exactly. So the MIJ phenomenon that we're experiencing now, you know, that all happened back in the 60s. And it, <laughs> I think, I think uh, the Beatles, you know, certainly had an influence and 1964 hit and People want to play drums. So we, we realized, okay, we started a, a factory in 1962 um, in Japan to, to build OEM, which is Original Equipment Manufacturing. And that's mm -hmm. basically to supply other brands a product. They, and so we build it, they buy it, they put their name on it. And that happened for a while in the 60s. Um, the factory in 1962 was named the Tama Factory. But we were not making Tama drums at that point. So we were making original equipment manufactured drums. Some of those drums were sold to big box retailers at the time, such as Montgomery Ward, which was a, uh, an old school retailer uh, that was like mm -hmm. a Sears competitor. And you would see different brands um, coming out of, of the, the OEM factory that were certainly not Tama. And then... In about 1967, Tama realized, well, let's put our own name on the drums. And, of course, because of the, the Hoshino name, called the drum Star. Yeah. So that was the first Hoshino-branded drum set was Star Drums back in, like, 67, 68. Wow. And you can always typically tell something that's related to Hoshino because it says World Supreme Quality, correct? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a neat, neat little thing to to know. It's a cool thing, and and absolutely, you know the I think the the gestalt of, of the Japanese culture in the '60s was was to to imitate and take the best, you know, of of anything they imitated, and then try to improve on that. And what a what a formula for success. And you can certainly look at you know the photo um, photography industry or the bike industry or or you know so many different industries, the television industry. The, and then the automobile industry, you know, which everybody knows. And I think that is a blueprint to the formula. And certainly I'm not qualified to speak about that, but I'm sure there's manufacturing experts and, his, you know, history experts that can go deep. And, and it, it's quite a fascinating study. But we were just one, you know, company that was trying to do that very modestly in, in the drum industry. Yeah, it's so neat to see the, um, <clears throat> and I've talked about it with other people where, there's, there's just something, obviously they, they call them stencil drums too, as I'm sure you know, where, where it would be like, you know, Hey, all the kids are buying Ludwig and Slingerland. Let's make the drums look like Ludwig and Slingerland. And a lot of them are, um, very, uh, very close, um, you know, representations of like the throw, like a Rogers throw off or like, uh, this, like I have a Hoshino kit and the badge from, from 10 feet away. It's like, is that a Slingerland set? Yeah. Oh no, it's not, you know, so, um, just that sort of, uh, just, it's, it's just very interesting. And I think a lot of it, I've talked with people before about it, where a lot of it is because it's the Japanese market. It was like the American brands weren't really going to, who are they going to go after to say, Hey, quit using our style. So, um, not that it's, I mean, I guess there are some legality, but I've, I've run into that too with European brands where like the turret lug, you know, the George way turret lug where, um, Heyman drums was using it. And it's like, once you go across the, the, the ocean, there's, 
there's not as much it's sort of it's different with copyright and all that it, it is i mean it depends where you where you file the patent and you know yeah. where, so sometimes it's just usa only sometimes you know now obviously with globalization um you know those those intellectual properties are very sensitive and more far-reaching and and certainly you know china is um become a major you know source of of recognition and and you know, we pay a lot of attention to that so is and, yeah. and even the tama brand name you know is that a brand name that's registered in in europe and and in you know uh, asia and you know africa and really every continent because you have to register it um for it to be protected so it's it's a lot of money to protect the brand integrity globally um so that's you know yeah you see certain pockets of things that maybe aren't protected and you know, then you got to go after it and then you got to recognize it. So that's, that's another discussion about the business, you know, legal part. And, and I'm, I'm again, not an expert on that, but I have an yeah. awareness, but that's a fascinating topic, Bart. I, I think you should get a, a patent attorney or <laughs> copyright attorney on at some point and, and have that discussion because that's a pretty fascinating topic. I, I think it is. And it's just, I, I've learned with my, my wife is an attorney and there's so many, like I would bring that up to her. I would bring something up about, you know, whatever intellectual property or something. And it's like, it's like speaking a different language. Cause it's so many different, you know, I guess you'd call it verticals of law that it'd be like, it's not what they do. You need to find, I just think that's interesting with law. It's like, Oh no, no, no. I'm a elder care law lawyer, or I'm a, a state lawyer. So even to a lawyer, that stuff is confusing if it's not the right you know, field that they're in. So yeah. I, I imagine for, for a drum company or whoever, it gets a little, uh, a little hairy, um, to, it, to, it's <laughs> to brand protection. That. You know, I, I mean, every brand goes through that and they have, you know, legal teams to, to, to work on that stuff dedicated. And, um, you know, we're, we're just, I mean, it, the industry, the drum industry is the perception is, Oh, those big drum companies, it, it's not that big, you know? And yeah, you know, we're not that big of a business. We're just, we're just kind of a humble, you know, just some dudes who, who, yeah, of course we're, we're, you know, into business and functionality of business, but you know, it's not a, it's not like heavy corporate, you know, yeah. you know meetings and, uh, you know, starch in the shirts. There's none of that going on here. You know, we're just, we're sure. just, we're just trying to build a product that, that is inspires people. And it's, you know, that in, in the, the entire drum industry is like that, you know, what you see, you meet people at NAM, you know, the, the guys from the other brands, they're all cool dudes and it's a cool little community, you know, just like the, the, the people who are not in the industry, but play the product. And, you know, we go to retail stores and, you know, certainly non COVID times it, it's, there's a flow that happens and, and, a, yeah. and there's sort of a gentle vibe that permeates, you know, the, the industry. And, and, and that's one of the, the, the beautiful parts of the industry. You know, just like yourself, you know, you're, you're a laid back dude, you know, we're, and we're, we're going to get there and, and everything's going to be cool. And, you know, yeah. I, I dig that. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, and, and I learned that on other episodes with like, like Vic Firth, for example, I was like, you guys are huge. And he was like, well, there's like seven of us here. And yeah. I'm like, you're Vic Firth. And obviously there's more distribution and all that, but it's just, uh, it's cool to know that. And, and it kind of has its, obviously it has its roots back to being a smaller kind of scrappy company. Um, but you know, it, it, Tama is one of those brands that I, I think, you know, this, but so with the MIJ, the made in Japan, the stencil stuff, I mean, it rocked the world of, um, the American brands. And I think we're going to be approaching that air, that area of like when, when, when star became actually Tama, but, yeah. um, it's just, you can't underestimate how, like, I would imagine people here in America were like, um, we're like, you know, oh, whatever, let them do their thing. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Let them have the like beginner drum market, these cheapo kits. I don't think people maybe realized at that point how like disruptive to use like a modern, you know, right. uh, yeah. buzzword it, it, it was when these, these MIJ brands, which there were a few of them in addition to Hoshino and, mm -hmm. you know, star, obviously star, but, um, I hear about it in every episode where people go, Oh man, we got killed in the seventies and eighties because the Japanese brands came out. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's so, and again, it's, so it's just a microcosm of a larger economic shift. And, and, 
you know, you, again, look at any, any industry and, you know, a brand like Sony or Panasonic or Toshiba or, you know, there's so many um, really good Japanese brands that, that, you know, very much mirrored our company history. And, and you're right. Yeah. You know, if you're, a, if you're a dominant American drum brand at that time, you know, and there weren't many, right. Cause there just weren't that many. And, you know, here come these other guys that are making, Oh yeah, it's, it's okay product, but the price was really good. So there's a, a, um, there's an economic benefit to the product. Now were the drums as hardy and sturdy and robust as, you know, the American counterpart at that time, maybe not at that time, but mm-hmm. the, the really fascinating study is how quickly it evolved. And, you know, changes were made very fast to manufacturing and, and feedback was, was gathered very quickly. Um, and it goes back to the market research and intensive market research and study. One of the cool things, so, so you're right. So we're, we're moving into now the Tama, you know, we're moving out of the sixties and getting into seventies. And, and so what, what year was that? So we know, so 67, it became star. Star, Is that right? Okay. Yeah. So we're doing star, and 67, 68, up until 1974. And then in 1974, that is when Tama, the Tama brand was first put onto a drum set. So 1974, Tama's born. Okay, cool. Yeah, so um, so there you go. And then at that point, I think there was realization that the brand had to evolve and, and couldn't just be a house brand, a Tama brand without some improvements. So improvements were already happening um, at that time as far as hardware and, and the shell and, you know, just, just things just got better. And they quickly, after that launched, there was a lot, one of the cool things about, about the Hoshino company and certainly the, the, the drum side, the Thomas side is, is the people working on the projects and, and, and I'm talking R and D people, I'm talking salespeople, market research people, Nobody, I think, or maybe very few were really drummers. And hmm. so there was a beautiful humility and study to the market um, that was done because there was no arrogance of, hey, I know what drummers want because I'm a drummer. And yeah. that's a big deal for us. And I believe was really um, a, a very objective way to move forward based on informed comments by artists and informed comments by retailers. And we listened really closely without the preconception of we know best. And that that's a huge hmm. benefit to us. Yeah. You gotta, I mean, uh, there's, there's that whole like, well, we do it this way because we do it this way kind of attitude with, with, uh, with any industry, but like, God, that's so, that makes so much sense, but it, it makes it, you got to put yourself into that that person that that point of view then of like it's so interesting that like guys were working on this and inventing this and japanese you know culture i guess is very like forward thinking and efficient but to be working and building drums for something if you're not a drummer it's um it's really interesting i remember on the noble and cooley episode um like the 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 joneses the two dad the, the father and son who worked there aren't drummers and it's sort of i was blown away by that so yeah. I, I need to like become more like oh yeah everyone's everyone's not a drummer in the world of uh music <laughs> you know yeah i think it's rare uh you know it's certainly yeah, that's how true. i think drum companies are, are permeated with drummers but but you know that's interesting noble and cooley yeah i mean some of it's just we manufacture and so we can make a, a round you know wood object or you know a, a cylinder and 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 we can put some hardware on it so why not make a drum you know yeah some of it yeah. um but yeah, I think the the humble, you know, predis- predisposition of not knowing there was a big study, and you know, and that and it, and that that spirit continues in the company today, um, you know, and, and I I you know sometimes I think I know you know the direction so easily because I've been in the industry, but but oftentimes um, I just sit back and, and watch and wait, and then you know there's there's maybe a new perspective that's introduced that I hadn't considered and and that's due to just being super objective and asking a lot of questions. Yeah, I mean you can't it it seems like Tama had a, a period where they were the ones pushing forward with everything but as as you know we live in a modern time you can't be like, you know, we're the only ones who are going to progress. But when other brands 
do come in and it's sort of a like a like we're going to like, you know, brand A is going to build on what Tama did and then brand B is going to build on what brand A did. And it's just going to keep getting better and better and better and better. And I think that's sort of how the world works of yes. like, otherwise we'd be sitting around, you know, driving Model A's and horse horse drawn buggies if we didn't, you know, keep pushing forward with technology. Obviously, that's a car example. But um, yeah, but no, I think there's a great there's a great parallel there for sure. I think, you, you yeah, you nailed it, Bart. It's, um, you know, we that societies or, or, you know, societies are built on continued improvement, right. And innovation. And yeah, I, you know, that's yeah. what we're, we, you know, we, we didn't invent it. We just looked at it and said, how do we improve it? Yeah. So, so some of the things just so maybe some of the cool things that, um, that we, that we did bring into the market, they were not there is, is a boom stand. And, you know, we didn't know that drummers needed to have their cymbals closer to them and drum sets sizes were evolving and they couldn't get a stand close but but we asked people and somebody so there was a visit and and we do a lot of market research and they're they're fun trips and we go around and and visit informed the the informed drum community um and we ask a lot of questions and one so that happened back in the 70s and there was a contingency of uh japanese headquarter guys that came over and, and did a market research trip and went to a sam ash store in New York, and someone said, "Hey, can you make a stand?" Because apparently, the the story is people were duct taping mic boom arms onto onto <laughs> stands and then suspending cymbals because they needed their cymbals wow. closer. So that's a problem to solve, right? So our engineers were like, "Yeah, we can do that," and we made a boom stand. Um, the the nylon sleeve inserts that are you know they, that go in between um, the the pipe clamps on a, on a yeah. cymbal stand. It was metal to metal metal to metal and that had problems so an engineer came up with let me make you know let me look at this analyze it and try to figure out a better way so we made the first nylon sleeve that goes inside um, the, the you know height adjustment collar so there's there's some cool things and you know yeah that's and, and of course awesome. we're we're not the only company to innovate and so you're right we look we see we, we how can we do it better and other companies do the same with us and who benefits the drummers yeah there are you know scenarios where a straight stand is obviously really cool and and it can work especially like you know for your ride if you can get it low enough and kind of tucked in there but man i mean growing up i had i remember i had this one crappy little tiny toy almost straight stand it is the worst thing when you can't get the symbol in close enough yeah <laughs> and you're like tucking legs under yeah. things yeah. And falling over so exactly that's a that's a big one yeah yeah that's a cool one yeah are we at the point too where obviously i mean you can't talk about tama without talking about billy cobham which i think was sort of in this yeah definitely region. This, this realm yeah right yeah so there's a few right so billy cobham was a huge impact and and you know again as as so funny i think back because I, I grew up in the 70s and um so this was all like real direct stuff for me but i have to remember you know my age and there's a lot of listeners who who are like billy cobham who's that um <laughs> so my recommendation is check him out um he 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 was blowing people's minds you know he was like the the original gospel chops sort of drummer yeah in in the 70s and he was doing things you know, on the drum set that just were not done before. Of course, he was standing on people's shoulders and you know, he took Tony Williams and, and Ginger Baker and, you know, kind of did his own thing. And, and it's a beautiful thing. So check him out. Uh, and he was a big icon in the drumming industry. And Thomas signed him, and I think, around 1977. And yes, that was a big marketing exposure impact for Thomas Drums. So we realized artists were key. Now, it, the, apparently, the, how it happened was he was just wandering around a NAM show. I think it was in Houston uh, at that time, and he just saw some things that Tama was doing from a product standpoint, and he was open to checking out uh, certainly ideas and, and ways to improve his playing. So there was an, again an organic sort of interest to the products, and that's what led Billy to us, and he was huge for us. We also around that time had Lenny White, who was another yeah. killer fusion guy. And then Stuart Copeland goes way back to like 1975 or 74 when he oh, reviewed yeah. a Tama drum set for a British, uh, a bit, a British music publication. 
and he was doing reviews and he was sent a set and he's like, these drums are cool. And so he became, I don't know if he's our, he might be our earliest, um, like signature artist, I believe is Stuart. Cool. So he's been with us a long, long time. And then Simon Phillips also, uh, in the late seventies was another icon who joined Thomas. So, you know, we had some pretty killer artists early on that enjoyed the brand and enjoyed the sound. And it was really interesting for me growing up there. Cause I, of course I know the American brands and then I see the three primary Japanese brands that being Tama and Pearl and Yamaha kind of come onto the scene. And I was like, what's what, what's up with these? And then I start checking them out and I'm like, yeah, good quality, sound good. And price is very competitive. So what's not to like. Yeah. Yeah. It's more modern too. Like I love the, you know, I love the American brands. I love all the brands, but, but there's something about the Japanese stuff, which seemed like, um, it's almost like a scrappiness where like you had to innovate to, to compete. So you better be coming up with the most, um, you know, innovative things possible. And, and I also want to say that with Simon Phillips, you get him wearing Tama leggings, um, in his instructional <laughs> tapes, which is like, that's devotion. Yeah. Yeah. There it's, it's so, it's a, again, so beautiful, the industry and, and the connection, you know, that we're, we're so lucky, like, and maybe not lucky, but we just, maybe we're just insightful and, and we appreciate, you know, the connection of, of music and life and the expression of our inner selves through music. And, and that's so personal, you know, Bard and, and the people who are yeah. into the brands that they play and, and it's any brand, you know, I, I love that there's a personal connection to the brands. I love it. I do too. And there is a serious personal connection to the brand. I mean, and, and maybe that's a good time for me to just give give him a shout out there's a, a guy named johnny martin who shot me a message like a week ago which is perfect timing because we're doing this but just talking about how much he loves tama and uh i just want to say that because there's there's obviously this in many brands there are these groups of people who are so beyond passionate that it's just like uh it's i mean like i, I use the word obsession in a great way because obviously we're all obsessed with the drums but um but i i don't think it should be you know skimmed over that that there is a very passionate group of collectors and enthusiasts with tama but also with every brand i mean god you, it's mainly you know you look at facebook like the rogers guys um there's camco guys there's everything you could ever imagine so i just totally agree with what you're saying very 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 passionate um people here and Tama has a great which you know you're doing something right if you've got people who who from the beginning love what you do I think it's it's a testament to the company yeah that, yeah thanks um yeah I think the industry is full of that and and you know a cool thing about our again our our instrument category drums and percussion and cymbals is is the products age well and it's it's so cool to be able to play a vintage kit from the 50s 60s 70s 80s and just feel like it's like got some personality, you know, and, and, it, yeah. and it's useful. It's not like a, a, an Atari game or a computer, you know, from 1986. Yeah. It's you're like, yeah, it's novel. It's cute, but I would never use it. No, you know, we can take these old drums out, rehead them, make them sound awesome and, and, and explore our personalities through the instrument. And that, that's a just beautiful thing. I, th I love hearing too. I love Stuart Copeland. So it's neat to hear that he was kind of the first guy. I didn't even, I mean, I, you always think Billy Cobham, but it's like, of course, Stuart Copeland. I mean, he, he's just, you know, and that's, that's where there's kids in the front row and they're looking at this, you know, drum head for an hour of a concert or on TV and it says Tama and boom. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where it begins. The drum head is, is, is a nice, hit. no pun intended, but good impact. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. Big time. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Forks Drum Closet, Nashville's full-line drum store. Celebrating its 40th year in business, Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of Music City. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair and restoration services, as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street, Nashville, Tennessee. Call 615-383-8343 or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com.
Um, all right, so let's, for the sake of time, let's push forward here. Yeah. So we're in the 70s, obviously yeah. very innovative time. Tama's like, you know, really making the uh, big companies kind of shake in their boots and be be noticed. Um, so take it away from there. Okay, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, just continues. Basically, the message is, is the blueprint has been written, I think, as far as innovation and, and, you know, looking and what can we do better. So we realize drums are, you know, the sound of drums are important and we get into the crest stars and the art stars and, and try to do some things different sonically. Um, certainly we've, we up to this point, a lot of birch most, I think it's mostly birch. And then we get into art star two and that's the first maple kit, uh, hmm. bigger kits, bigger sizes, again, listening to the drumming community amplifications getting louder and, and we need to have stronger drums, a stronger sound. So we just, very humbly listened and realized we got to produce a larger sound and, and die cast hoops were instituted and longer toms instituted and, and the metal market responded. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but obviously you said longer toms and it made me think of the, uh, the octobons, which are kind of just a, um, they're about as iconic of, you know, just, a, a, a an innovation, that, that came out as, as anything else in the drum world. When was that? Yeah, so that was in the seventies. And I, I actually, cool. now that you mention it, I believe that is the product that Billy Cobham was inspired to see huh. at the NAMM show in, in the seventies and 77 in Houston. There, there was like a this secretive, here's this little product in, in a, apparently it was, you know, in a, in a side booth or some thing that was not on the floor. And he saw those octobons and he's like, yes, melodic, very <laughs> yeah. cool. Uh, so yeah. that happened in, in like 77 ish. Um, yeah. And those obviously became important for him and important for Stuart Copeland, Simon, all the key guys that were playing had these beautifully tuned octobonds. So yeah. that was then. And uh, yeah. Yeah. But the gong bass drum. Obviously, gong, I have that was my another little... thing that Billy's like, if yeah. I come over to Tama, you got to make me a gong bass drum. So we did that. So, you know, That's again, so cool. we're just sort of following the artist's leads. You know, they're telling us what to invent sometimes, and then we invent it, and then we improve it. Hmm. Now, a gong bass drum, maybe we just pause there for a sec. I've, I've seen them many times, obviously, you know, on stages, and you see some of the, 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 the mega drummers use them. But for just an average guy, you don't typically go, hey, I, I'm going to run out right now and buy a gong bass drum um, and just throw it on my four piece. Um, so... The technology, though, is basically it's a normal bass drum that's mounted, typically no bottom head, right? And then the top head is bigger than the shell, yeah. and it has... Like a timpani head. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, this was like, this was when, you know, back in the 70s and 80s when, let's go bigger. You know, let's let's add another drum. And yeah. <laughs> so, again, exactly. if you haven't checked out Billy Cobb, just check him out, and you'll see some incredible gong drum stuff <laughs> happening there. It's amazing. Um. It's so cool. All right. Well, now, if we're getting into the 80s, I want to make sure we talk about, and again, Johnny Martin, who's the big collector, kind of sent me a list of stuff, and he's like, make sure you talk about this. We've talked about it previously on the, I did a 5,000 episode, but I want to make sure we talk about with Camco and the buying of the rights with DW, and how did that work with Camco? Like, what's the deal with that? Yeah, so, okay, so... um I, I know bits and pieces. I, you know, I wasn't, wasn't with the company then, and so... That happened in like 77, I believe, late, like 77, 78. And uh, there was an opportunity to purchase part of the Camco like brand. Um, so as what eventually happened is DW got the rights to the turret lug and Tama got rights to, I don't know, all the hardware, but certainly the Camco pedal, um, which was a, a leather strap drive at, at at the time and then we realized we you know that that part was wearing out and let's make it into a sprocket drive and so we made the, the camco tama pedal with the sprocket um so that was you know 77 78 so we still own the camco name the brand name and dw still owns the the design for the turret lug and i think it's served both companies really well um, yeah so that's where it sits and cool. yeah so it's pretty cool to, you know, have that. Um, so that, that's that part. 
And what what, sure. what else with with Johnny? What what is what were some other topics? So um, he just said basically in '85, and again, this is I just love that this is coming from a, a, a diehard collector who you know these are some some things he just wants to talk about. So in 85, Hoshino USA made a custom shop in Ben Salem. Oh, Ben Salem. Yeah. That's where ben I Salem, work now. Yeah. Where you are. So, um, it's the, it, to his knowledge, he said it's the first time a company offered custom paint jobs to the public. I don't know if there's, if that's, you know, so a, a fact. It, we did do some assembly here. And actually the, when, when we, to rewind back to the Camco, um, you know, era, we, we changed the badge a little bit and put like a Kempko Hoshino badge together. And we did drum production here in Ben Salem from maybe 78, 79 to about 1983. Um, so we, hmm. we kind of had some drum production here uh, with assembly and finishes. So we, we were set up for that. And then I, it, as far as the mid 80s go and doing customized things, yeah, we did some, uh, we did some things, but I don't have a very detailed knowledge about you know what we had what we were capable of doing so that part i'm going to sort of uh you know just respectfully say i'm not an expert (laughs) yeah that's fine and i and i i mean let's just throw it out there that maybe that's something that happened but you got to be careful with saying who was first because there's always there's 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 frequently someone who goes well no actually six days earlier you know Pearl was doing it or something like you can't be too um specific on that but that's that's a theory so Yeah. All right. So then 80s, um, that's all he's got for the 80s. But it's just to me that it's even more of like Tama just, you know, powering through and becoming more of a powerhouse and even more of I mean, you kind of think of the 80s as like maybe not so much with Ludwig, but like I think of Slingerland and I know that Slingerland went through and made amazing drums for a long time. So I'm saying that for the Slingerland guys and girls out there. But um but really you think of like Slingerland sort of being really in trouble and Tama and the Japanese brands just, you know, shooting to the moon um, to use a star kind of uh, space yeah, reference. Nice. But um, that, that had to be a massive time of growth for the company. Yeah, I, it, absolutely. And it, acoustic drums were flourishing um, you know, during that time in larger sets and double bass kits and heavier and louder, and you know, more rock solid and, you know, bigger, stronger. So Tama was absolutely at the forefront of that. And our market perception was they, you know, super rock solid and great sounding drums that are, that are very sturdy. So it's, it certainly fit the times. Um, and, and our hardware developments were, were doing well. And, and, you know, Iron Cobra pedal was, was being um, certainly e- evolving at that point. So lots of cool things. And, and yeah, we, we had a great run and, and, you know, products, Asian products were still kind of getting refined as far as the build quality and the price value. And I think there were some big improvements there that allowed drummers to say, that's a really nice sounding kit uh, that I can afford. And I think I'm going to buy that kit because it, it feels good. It looks good. It sounds good. It looks durable and it's a great value. So yeah, yeah I, I meet so many drummers, Bart, I'm sure you do. And everybody's like, oh yeah, I had a swing star kit. Man, yeah, exactly. I that. Oh, you know, my first kit was a rock star. I hear that all the time, and and much like you know the Pearl export kits, and you know they're just you know certainly there were Pearl and, and Tama entry level kits were allowing drummers to enter you know their their drumming um, you know spirit class basically or or their path yeah, at a really sure. really good price point. Yeah, and they're real drums. They're not. You know the 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 Macy's catalog drum set that um, is sort of a, a toy. These are more real deal. Real, yeah, absolutely real deal. Yeah, the rock stars and the swing stars and stuff are to this day obviously very 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 good. Um, not even beginner because I feel like with any drum set like that, you can throw good heads on them and make them sound great. So they're not they're not a toy. They're nothing to be like, you know, not ashamed of. But you know what I mean? They're nothing to be kind of like, oh, this is just my beginner set. Like you can use these things for a long time. No question. That, huge value, you know, and and I see them all the time um, you know, on on Reverb or, you know, Facebook Marketplace or wherever and and yeah, those drums, you, you know, you 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 get a nice kit, used kit, um, you know, 250, 200, you know, exactly. and they like you said, you put new heads on them, boom. They're Tone is great. Yeah. 
And you mentioned the Iron Cobra, which I've that was probably my first real deal bass drum pedal that I got was an Iron Cobra, which I still have, still love. Um, I, it's obvious I have a double pedal, but I, I think I basically just use it as a single because I haven't done as much double drumming, um, double bass drumming in the last couple of years. But it such a good pedal. I mean, there was just something about it where it was like like buying it for the first time, which you know, obviously no double bass drum pedal or. You know, a single pedal is a different story, but they're not cheap. Any double pedal you get is not cheap. So just buying it, it was like, whoa, this is the real deal. Uh, and it just is such a cool design. I just love the, the the name Iron Cobra is in itself such a cool thing, which now that I think about it, is kind of a departure from the space theme. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're right. And yeah, some of our hardware is <clears throat> first chair thrones and road pro stands. So the the star naming um, more on the drum side than the hardware but that was a marketing yeah. decision uh again preceded me by by a, a long shot but uh, it, sure. it it is it's just form follows function and we were able to uh with the connecting rod and a and a you know secondary pedal on the left side with a connecting rod put two beaters into the single frame and that was our mm-hmm. big breakthrough because there were there was uh an, another company uh you know on the west coast real big company two yeah. letters i think you know um, <laughs> i think yeah i think we know yeah so they were you know they're super good at innovation too and and you know much respect and yep. they were using uh they i think they had created a double pedal but it was the, the second beater was not inside uh the single frame so when that happened that changed the feel uh to something that was more realistic and, and expressive yeah, and I have to nerd out and say I think that was the 5002 invented by Dwayne Livingston, who's actually on Facebook and is just like a super nice guy. Um, and you know, which is just so cool to be like, it's just a a drummer like us who's who came up with that. Yeah, that design. Well, but, the history yeah, of and, drums is filled, you know, with with people that were just they were just dudes, just innovating, you know, and exactly. Love that. Ex- yeah, that's the coolest part. But. Um, all right. So then, uh, what is our, so like if we're in eighties getting into the nineties, maybe we take a second here and just talk about some of the lines that are out. Um, cause then this is getting into more like, you know, modern era of drums. So there would be like, you take it away, but it would be the, you know, what's the lowest to the highest they had, uh, on the market then as far as the range of, of drums. Well, so, um, star classic was, uh, was born in, in 1994. So that's the okay. kit you have, and and that that was our high end kit um, at that time. And boy, going through um, the Star Classic Performer then was also developed, and that's with Bird Shells. Uh, the I want to say Rockstar kit in diff- with with different orientations, finish orientations, and then Swing Star, um, and then Imperial Star. So that basically was what we were looking at. And then obviously mm-hmm. out of star classic, so much kind of, uh, flowered out of that star classic, Babinga, star, star classic, yeah. birch, Babinga. Uh, and now we have star classic walnut birch and a brand new series, star classic performer, which is, mm-hmm. um, maple and birch. So that's, that's new for 2021. So, you know, there's a lot there. And then in, uh, 2013, we launched the Star Series, which are handmade in Japan at our Japanese uh, Katsuki factory. And that's the epitome of our high end. So that's Star Babinga and Star Maple and Star Walnut drums come out of there. So cool. that's kind of where it sits. And they're just really, really gorgeous instruments. So it, it's it's cool for us to have that. And And we did then also in that time period, lots of development on snare drums. Uh, Starphonic snare drums, the artist signature palette, and then uh, SLP snare drums. So that, as you said, it's sort of the modern product offering. So from that, you know, side of things, um, that's really that's where things were, you know, where we are cool. now. We also have Superstar in the line back um, as a name, different than the the original Superstar drums that were from the late seventies and eighties. Um, but yeah, yeah. Now, what is the deal with SLP, which stands for Sound Lab Project? What is the uh, what's the story with that? Because I've played some. I think I played a kit at um, 
at PASIC last year or the year before, I've lost track of when things were normal uh, at this point. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. La- uh, um, let's say so 2019, I think. And, 2019. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but they're just awesome. Like, so what is, what is the sound lab? So that's exactly what it is. It, so it, it's um, evolved from our snare drums, which the concept of the snare drums was to, to develop snare drums that were each unique and different, not so conventional in a way like here's your brass six and a half and your brass five and a half and your brass five um you know five by 14 or whatever it, it and here's your steel and here's your wood that's really the traditional way that that snare drums have been offered in the market so the concept that tama came up with uh was to create kind of boutique differentiated snare drums that each have a different voice within the slp line so one might be brass one might be aluminum one might be maple one might be walnut and they're super accessible price points that each have a unique sonic personality. That's cool. And, you know, jumping around here, I'm just like looking through the website, the uh, Tama website. And I just think that there's a, 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 a heritage of like, I think things got a little far out in the sixties and seventies, which I love with, with the finishes, but there's still very cool finishes to the Tama drums. Um, I'm just looking, there's like, you know, a beautiful green kit. There's, they're very unique. And I say, you know, the sixties and seventies, if anyone looks at those old kits, I mean, they are just like, there are some, the satin flames and stuff. It was very, which it would be cool if they brought, you know, that stuff back. But that being said, you guys have very uh, unique and beautiful finishes. And I think I saw online a video of someone doing Gosh, what was it? It's almost you're gonna know right away the name of it, but it's like a red kind of like like streak. Yeah, phantasm um, lacquer oyster. And then I there was a video of them creating mm-hmm. that, and it was not just print out you know no. a wrap and throw it on. It was like hand oh yeah hand painted. Done. Yeah, that, that's that's part of the um, so our, our factory. You know, it gets into manufacturing stuff. So we manufacture Star in in Japan, and then uh, most other drums are coming from our. Tama owned factory in, in China, which we started in about 2004, 2003. Um, so that's our own factory that we own and we develop our, our projects and products and then take that information and, and then go implement it in China. So um, we have our, our painters there are really skilled and they hand paint shells and that's what you're seeing. And that's what's creating yeah. these beautiful lacquer oyster finishes that we're, we're able to offer um, within our our star classic line that are super just super compelling and different and you know interesting and intricate and and really good price points i mean it's kind of it's kind of incredible so yeah there was a uh when i was in high school i worked at guitar center and there was a um there was a pink sparkle bubinga kit there mm-hmm. that um i would just sit on and play because i mean that was sort of the downfall of like retail stores where minus people dropping their, their kids off to be babysat by a drum set. And then they'd go over to, you know, (laughs) whatever stores next door, I would just be sitting there a lot. And those drums, the Bubinga line, I remember uh, just when it first got there, it was just this like Holy grail of a drum set. There's something about it. That was just so like present and it just felt like honestly one of the most out of all the drums there it felt like one of the most professional high-end drum sets I've, I've ever played at that point um so the the what is bubinga i know it's obviously a type of wood but maybe a little little info on that yeah so um yeah awesome so I, we were somehow the company associated most with bubinga um yeah it is a type of wood uh comes from i believe africa and we, we just started using it and implementing it and then realized it had super deep, low tonal qualities to it. And making a whole drum set out of, out of Babinga just created a different sonic imprint of a drum set and rich and fat, low end. Um, they do sound awesome. I mean, I remember when those came out and, and I checked out a kit and I'm like, I, I'd never heard a bass drum sound like that. Um, yeah. Just super dense and present um, but with this huge, rich low end. So that's something that, you know, we, we cultivated a lot and we still offer Babinga on the star line. Um, it has been removed on the star classic line due to the CITES, um, the trade restrictions of, of endangered sure. woods, even though the wood sure. sourcing that we use is, is cultivated wood and farmed wood and, and sustainable. Um, it's just complicated to, 
get the clearance of the wood, um, all, all the different processes that you have to do to get it uh, substantiated and cleared. It's just, it's, it's a big administrative hurdle. So we decided yeah. that we're going to move away from that. And at the same time, it had been in the line for quite a long time. So that's why we now have walnut birch and, and maple birch and, um, you know, different drums that do different things sonically. Cause you know, we, we always have to keep things fresh. So it's kind of a, a, it was a timely issue and also kind of forced our, our hand due to the, the trade restrictions of endangered woods. So, yeah. Yeah, sure. And man, you saying keeping it fresh, just looking on the website, basically on, on every kit you click on, there's just some like, like little innovative detail where it's not really changed since the seventies, where it's still just this, just really running forward fast with, with innovative, um, ideas and, and things to keep it interesting, especially with the hardware, obviously the drums are beautiful, but just the little like details i mean you guys are so yeah start yeah exactly so starcast system is to me the most beautiful and then and the most useful suspension system in the market um because it's it's suspended we don't touch any tension rods it's all done through the hoop and the hoop has extra holes to suspend the drum so as far as and just the way it's it's designed there's no stress on the shell um, there's really no stress on the hoops. So the drums stay in tune, they resonate fully and it looks incredible. It's such an integrated and lovely, silky, smooth, sexy setup. It, it just yeah. looks incredible. And I, I've been a long time admirer of, of the Starcast system. Um, and just really, really appreciate that design. Yeah, man, that's so cool. So, all right, as we wrap up here, um, is there anything, I know the world is kind of upside down right now and things are a little slowed down, but is there anything that, uh, you know, the Tama diehard fans can be looking forward to in the future that you'd maybe want to talk about here or uh, anything like that? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, this is interesting. Um, your podcast is going to live on forever. So so this yeah. is, uh, <laughs> this is for the record, we're in the COVID, sort of the COVID. Yes, growth. 2021. Uh, yep. So what was that? Read all about it. Um, yeah, kids. Here we are. But yeah, um, it, it's been a, a challenging time to product develop because we just because we haven't been able to travel and our R&D team can't go to our all of our factories and go to um, our Chinese factory and, and, you know, check out samples. So it, it, it definitely has hurt the flow of our development. But at the same time, it's allowed us to sort of work closer together. And as I mentioned earlier, we do have a new uh, Star Classic performer series that is at the the easiest entry price point for star classic and it's their uh, maple and birch shells and they sound fantastic they look fantastic and that's brand new for 2021 so feel free to check that out there's information on the web now uh and and we just you know we continue to evolve our our product lines and you know you're always going to see new things from tama it's yeah. just part of our DNA and it's part of what we do as a company to, to keep innovating. And that, that's really an ethos of our, of our company um, is to continue to, to innovate and bring fresh things in the market. Cause we feel that it, it, you know, drummers want it, they look forward to it and we're just feeding the curiosity. So that's what we're going to keep doing. That's awesome. Well, um, everyone can find Tama obviously just by, you know, Googling it or go to Tama.com, T-A-M-A.com. Um, I think to this day still Tama is the, the strongest name in drums as they, as they, the, the slogan says, I think that's very, uh, you know, well-earned and you guys continue to push forward. And, uh, and I, I always try and be unbiased with everything, but I do really like Tama and I think they're, they're great drums and have, you know, kind of one of my, like I said, my, you know, it was a great drum set to buy and I loved it. And it was just amazing um, to have that star classic kid as a kid. So, um, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're fans of the industry, you know, and, and we love watching, um, you know, the, what the other brands do and, and, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a friendly competition for sure. Um, but you know, the industry is exciting and, and, you know, innovation happens in obvious places and not obvious places. So it's fun to keep up. Um, but yeah, we're, we're humbled and, you know, we're just going to yeah. try to do our thing and, and keep bringing product into the market that hopefully inspires. And, you know, as, as, as you said, it's just, you know, you're the, the drummer out there and, and you're the ones expressing. So, you know, what is it that we can do to help express that? That's really our, our that's what we do. 
And before we end, I want to, so I have this awesome little uh, history of Tama book that they, that you guys sent over. And I want to give a shout out because I talked to him on the phone. Very, I would just say lovely man is a good way to, is a put it very, very nice guy. I want to say a thank you to Mitsuaki Shimada, or I think his friends call him Mike, um, for just kind of really, we talked on the phone for a while and he was at the post office trying to send me a book, but there was a storm and he couldn't <laughs> get it over to me. And, uh, just, uh, he, he, he had the great idea. I've made the mistake before of, uh, I made a call to, uh, someone in Germany and I ended up having a $150 phone bill Ooh. where Mike was smart enough to say, let's do it over, you know, Facebook or zoom. And I'm like, you know, you only, you only learn from your mistakes, you know, and, uh, just a little fun side note there, but thank you to Mike. And, yeah. uh, yeah, Mike, yeah. Mike's had a long career, important career with Tama. Um, all those stories that we talked about from the seventies and eighties, Mike was at the forefront of all of that. So, um, he was, you know, huge guy for the brand. And I say was because he, he recently retired, uh, and gave his life to the brand. And, you know, yeah. I appreciate you, you know, appreciating him, uh, yeah. because it's people like Mike, you know, that, that, you know, it's the collective benefit that of their work that, that brings it all to motion. So shout out to Mike. Absolutely. Shout out to Mike. So, um, all right. And if you're listening to this, um, John and I are going to do a quick, probably 10 minute extra little conversation about some other Thomas stuff. I have a couple of, you know, smaller kind of maybe not so uh, drum related questions. I want to talk about the ventures and the electric guitar, you know, fad that went through Japan, which I thought, thought was fascinating in this book. Um, but so if you want to hear that little bonus conversation, head over to uh, patreon.com slash drum history podcast, and you can pay, you know, two bucks or whatever and join the Patreon and uh, get these weekly bonus episodes. So um, on that note, John, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your uh, you know vast knowledge and passion and love for Tama with me and the listeners. It, thanks for having me, Bart. I'm glad we could connect this up and uh, really enjoyed talking about you know the thing we love talking about. So thank you. If you like this podcast, find me on social media at Drum History and please share, rate, and leave a review. And let me know topics that you would like to learn about in the future. Until next time, keep on learning.